Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajj Assad, and with me as always is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, but more importantly, we're very good friends. Isn't that true, Benjamin? That is an accurate statement. Ben, where could the people who are listening to our podcast, where could they find your latest work if they were so inclined to? Uh, you could find my work at Motor Trend, at Car and Driver, at Driving Line, and at Inside Hook. And also, I'm in the last week of the Kickstarter for the first issue of my comic book, my new comic book series called Dead Air. It's a world where one day out of the year you can talk to the dead, and the story focuses on a group of friends who had a tragedy befall them when they were in, in their college radio years in the late 90s. And now it's 15 or so years later, and they use this technology to kind of look back on that tragedy and discover that things didn't exactly occur as they thought they would or as they thought they did. So they're trying to figure out how that affects their new lives as, you know, adults who are beaten down by time and age and all that fun stuff. In any case, you can find it on Kickstarter, deadaircomic.com. I know a bunch of our listeners have already pledged support and have snagged their copy of the issue, and I really appreciate it. If you are wanting to get on board that train, it is available until um, Thursday morning at 8 a.m., so I guess by Wednesday night, uh, as you're hearing this, you would probably want to get in on that, deadaircomic.com. Sammy, uh, where can listeners find your work? They can find my work all over the internet. I think autotrader.ca, driving.ca, and car and driver are probably the best places to find my best work. Um, and thank you. I, I'm going to throw in another thank you from from the, from me to the unnamed automotive podcast gang uh, for for supporting Ben's podcast. If you haven't done that yet, come on, get on it. it it's worth it, right? <laughs> and we do ship all over the world, so no matter where you're listening, you can get a copy. Where, no matter where. No matter where. If you are right now on a nuclear submarine underneath the Arctic ice pack, I will find a way to get you a copy. But I have to question how you're getting this podcast. You're telling me if you're Gal Gadot's character in Fast and the Furious. Yeah, oh, although that was, that was Antarctica, I guess. Okay. I don't know. I mean... Did you film... finally watch it? I did watch it. Yes. Yeah, so wow. everyone, everyone who is listening and heard our... Uh, I know... I gotta be honest. So we interviewed the sound editor for Fast X, and he's actually the sound editor for Peter Brown for pretty much the whole franchise, dating back to the the third movie. Um, not many of you listened to it. We're <laughs> very disappointed. We well, put so much effort into the. No, I'm not. Disappointed. No, well, I'm what's kidding. surprising is so we did an episode. The, the episode after that was on the Grand Highlander and the Lexus RX, and we can you know we we track how many people listen to each episode so we know which topics you guys are into and which ones you're on and i'm just surprised that the grand highlander was more popular than the fast x guy so if anyone wants to let me know what we did wrong on that interview we, we you know what you did wrong right? or if it's or if it's just not something that you know we should pursue in the future if kind of the movie stuff isn't uh what people want to listen to just let us know and we will do less of it but um every year we go through star car face-off scenario yeah i know we introduce a new format or we try to bring more pop culture into the show and the fans resoundingly say nothing. It falls flat on its face. <laughs> but I did see the new Fast X, Sammy. I thought it was as uh, over the top as the previous movie. Um, I don't really know what else to say. Okay. There was some racing that I was into. 
Uh, and I like mild, mild racing. Yeah, but there were some callbacks to the first movie. I liked how when they were all lined up in I don't know where they were. Yeah. I'm assuming it was Brazil. They were lined up at the starting line to do the race. There was the camera that pulled through all of the driver's oh, yeah. windows, just like they did in the first movie with Ja Rule. Uh, so that was cool. That was um, great. And there was little touches like that. I, you know, it's well, one thing that's that's starting to I'm starting to notice though is how much the cast is aging. Yeah, okay. Um, and I'm okay with aging. I think honestly, seeing my friends age and get older is a real uh, a privilege, I think. Um because not everyone gets that. Not everyone gets okay. to to have that. And well, you won't do this you won't do this podcast with video because you don't want to see me age and you don't want me to see you age. Well, I won't do this podcast with video because as a redhead, I'm too pale and I, I most webcams can't see me. <laughs> Like, as soon as light hits my body, it overwhelms the sensor on the webcam. So that's why we've stayed. You have your built-in dazzle camo. Yeah, it's like, you know, a.k.a. Snowman over here. So I didn't want to subject our our, our listeners to that. But in any case, it's I've started to notice just... I'm looking at, like, Vin Diesel, and I'm a big Vin Diesel fan for, you know, more than just Fast and Furious. But I'm looking at him in this movie, and I'm like, man... He kind of just looks like maybe he should go a little less hard and just relax and enjoy life at this at this stage, you know? Like right. and the other thing too is they're obviously all multimillionaires from all the heists they pulled off. And at the beginning of the movie, they're like, "Hey, we got this call. We got to go steal this computer chip for someone and uh it's a pretty big deal." And they're all they're all instantly into it. Like, "Oh, okay, yeah. that sounds like why not just say no? Like I'm sure there's someone else who can do this." I think about that as well. I was like They've got all their money. They've done everything they need to do. No one is, you know, no one is questioning them. They can't stop, right? Like they can just stop. They can totally. They the characters, st- I mean, not the studios or anything. They could like have that. stopped the long time ago. We know that the, the studios have the audience to to answer to, and they always want more. And, and you know, it's the perfect opportunity <laughs> to introduce like Fast and Furious, the next generation, right? They could be oh, like, oh yeah, we need to do that. Sure. We, they could be like, you know, we got this job coming in, but it's more of a job for this little guy. And then you look over and there's a new <laughs> character and you're like, wait a minute. And he's driving like, I don't know, a Genesis. Cause they haven't had that in the movie yet. <laughs> or a Hyundai. Yeah. It's like a, he's driving like a, a, a type N or a type N. What am I saying? Um, a, 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 a Veloster N or like a, an Elantra N. Ben, we're going to lose all of our listeners unless we pivot to Grand Highlander talk. So how about that Lexus? I think it's called a Lexus TX that came out that is essentially just a, a, a Grand Highlander. Okay, I don't want to spend too much time on the Lexus TX um, okay. or the GX. Uh, Yo, that looks so cool. Yeah, it's like, but it's like 16 miles per gallon. And it's not even a V8 anymore. It's like a twin turbo V6. I'm pretty sure it's the engine from the Tundra. And yet the fuel mileage remains horrendous. It's like... <laughs> There's, you can't tell me the Lexus and Toyota don't have a way to put that drivetrain in something that looks like the GX and at least crest 20 miles per gallon. Like, is that too much to ask? <laughs> Lexus knows its buyers don't really care about the number uh, of uh, – they, they don't care about miles per gallon. I don't think they care about smiles per gallon either, but whatever. <laughs> it's like my 35-year-old Jeep gets 21 miles per gallon on the highway, 22 sometimes. I think that maybe we can make With, the, like, fewer gears. With four speeds and, like, yeah, exactly. And the aerodynamics of a boot. I'm pretty sure we can make, like, the GX just outperform <laughs> my Grand Wagoneer. Yeah. Although I I, I'm, sure the, interesting. I'm sure yeah. the GX doesn't like leak oil down the highway when it's towing. That's one it, advantage that Lexus has over my Jeep. Yeah, I suppose it has a number of advantages over the Jeep. I'm sorry. No, to that's say the that. only one. That's the only. <laughs> that's one. the. 
That's part, it. Parts availability is not an advantage. I don't or you know. You like the I advantage. Mean, you like the adventure. I, yeah, it's it's all about the challenge. It's like answering a skill testing question every time something breaks. But <laughs> all right, so let's pivot to something that I am more interested to talk about, and that's a vehicle that you drove recently um, called the Subaru Impreza. Yeah, are you really interested in this? Because I thought that Look, people didn't care about compact cars at all anymore. Well, that's and they I hope they combine. do because our entire episode is compact cars today. Oh yeah, true. But okay, so let's let's talk about the Impreza. The Look, twenty twenty. Yes, sir. I'm an Impreza owner, so yeah. I do care a little bit. And I'm a I'm an I'm a Subaru owner as well. I think both of my cars have horizontally <laughs> opposed. I know both of my cars have horizontally opposed engines. Uh, are built by Subaru. Uh, with different badges on the t- on the front, but hey, that happens. Um, the question here is: Did you know that the Subaru Impreza is no longer available as a sedan, and it is no longer available with a manual transmission anymore? Okay, so I want to go back in time to when we used to have the Subaru WRX as both a hatchback and a sedan, and then they mm-hmm. stopped building the hatchback. Even the hatchback though- version of the WRX. Yes. Yes. Even though it was fifty percent of sales. Yeah, they stopped there was building. No it. reasonable reason for them to get rid of it. So that was, I think, 2017 or 2016. Mm-hmm. So now, five years later, <laughs> they're getting rid of the hat, the sedan version, the sedan of the version. normal impression. Ah, yeah. so but the reversed course, sort of. And again, what was the reason given this time? Uh, no real reason. This is the way it should go. <laughs> okay, so no more sedan. No more sedan. Now, the only reason I could think of to get rid of either a sedan or a hatchback version of a car like the Impreza is because they want to push you into buying an SUV. Because the Crosstrek is very much like a lifted version of the Impreza hatchback. Holy, yeah. You've already stolen the sto- you've, you've stolen, stolen the headline, really, from my story, which is, like, is there a reason to get a Crosstrek or is there a reason to get an Impreza? These two cars are almost identical now because there has been an, a new version of the Crosstrek. Um, and mechanically, these two things are pretty much identical with the exception of more ground clearance, um, on one. And surprisingly, there's more cargo space in the Impreza. That is a little bit surprising. I think it has something to do with a spare tire. So now there's no real, that's the, that's what's wild to me in the sense that, you know, if they were trying to push people into the crossover, okay, I get it, but they're not doing that because they're keeping the hatchback hatchback. and getting rid of the sedan. There must be, I don't know if sedan sales had tanked. I mean, well, probably, I don't think Subaru breaks that information out when they're compiling uh, Impreza sales statistics. So it's very hard to tell. But uh, Sammy, that's not the only thing that's changed. I mean, no more manual. That's not great. But there's also a new trim level that's kind of, I think, supposed to evoke the the more energetic and sporty side of the Impreza. And and you drove that one, right? Yes. I primarily drove the trim level of the Impreza called the RS. Now, okay. RS, back in the day, the Subaru, the Subaru Impreza, the 2.5 RS, was um, a WRX without the motor. I think that's yeah. the best way to describe so it. I have one of those. That's what I have. Mine's a 2004, and it has, like, the wide body. Uh, mine's a sedan. It has the wide body. It has a hood scoop? It has, no, it doesn't, but it has the indent oh. for the hood scoop. So it's, okay. it's a different hood. Um, it has the, uh, I believe the gearing is similar. I'm not sure about that, but it also has the same suspension. But the other thing I want to point out is to, if my memory serves correctly, the hatchback version of the RS was not called the RS. It was called the TS and it Ooh. didn't have a wide body because you couldn't, when they built the WRX, um, the, the hatches, none of them had wide bodies for like the first two generations. You're going right, right into Subaru Impreza lore here with your... I think. So like 2002 to like 2005, I don't think there was a wide yeah, body Yeah, the 2.5 hatchback. TS. That's a striking vehicle. That looks like something. So 
again, this is another mishmash of history where they're like, okay, no more sedans, but we're going to take the sedan nomenclature versus the hatchback nomenclature. So I think they're just counting on only me remembering. <laughs> yeah, and you not buying one. Yeah, and not telling anybody about it. So, so my, issues here, my issues here with this WRX, as I described to you, it was a WRX. Of this, The old 2.5 RS was essentially a um, WRX without the motor. It really had attitude with the way it looked. Um, and drove this 2.5 RS. This new two, this new Subaru Impreza RS has the 2.5 um, engine, which makes 182 horsepower. I'll double check to make sure that number is correct. Is it because... the only one with the 2.5? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and again, this engine is shared in the um, in the Crosstrek. There's a version of the Crosstrek with the 2.5 called as the well. Sport, right? The Sport and uh, the Limited, two trims. Okay. Uh, 182 horsepower doesn't sound like a lot, really. It's it not a lot. Feel, I mean, it doesn't news. feel like a lot either. Um, I was really disappointed that the RS, for its trim level, that seems to be um, inspired by a previous generation of uh, fun to drive Impreza's, doesn't have anything else going for it. There's no better brakes. There's no better suspension. There's no better. Ch- there's no changing. Is that different in, wheels? Uh, yeah, it's got different wheels, but like, not that's it. What's not, the tor- What's the torque number on that? 178. Okay. 182 and 178. And that's the naturally aspirated. Yeah, naturally aspirated. Naturally aspirated. Uh, You got to wind it out to like 5,800 RPM to get that power number. (sighs) It's got a CVT. And so that's another thing that you've got to really. Oh my goodness. You know, bear with. I'm, I'm going to be blunt. Like, I think that this chassis is actually quite good. I thought the last generation Impreza chassis was quite good. And I and I feel justified in that by saying that the new WRX is actually a lot of fun to drive. Um, because I think it used the, that, that chassis. But it just seems so sad. It seems very sad that I think um, the Impreza used to offer a, a lot of options at a low price point in terms of body styles, in terms of engines, in terms of transmissions, and now they're slowly getting rid of all of these things, and they're just making a lower crossover in terms of visibility. Like, I don't know why somebody would really pick this up. It's a 2000 I think it's $2,000 difference um, to the to the Crosstrek. Is that the base or the RS? That's base to base. Okay. Okay. What about Sport to RS? What's the, is it the similar difference? Um, it's actually closer. The RS is uh, twenty seven eight, and the Sport is twenty eight nine, so twelve wow. like eleven hundred bucks. Huh. Um, and the Sport looks cooler. The Crosstrek Sport looks cooler. Yeah, it has it's a good like accents. Um, I think there's more color choices for it. It it looks it looks rough. It looks too, it looks tough. I mean, um, and this Impreza, while it doesn't have body cladding, which is I'm sure a lot of people are very excited about that that new design direction that that Subaru is taking with its cars. Um, it just is a little bland. It, it sure it's refined. It does everything it's supposed to. It's probably going to get very good fuel efficiency and it swallows up cargo space really uh, cargo really easily with a big boot. But come on, the, this class has gotten better across the board. I really don't think this thing um, can truly compete with the likes of the civic or the Elantra or the Mazda three or the, um, even the Corolla well, and let's let's pause that for a second though because there's one thing that you haven't mentioned so far that is kind of the killer app for the Impreza. Yes. 
And that's all-wheel drive. That's right. So a lot of the vehicles you just mentioned don't have that feature. Don't have all-wheel drive. I think the Corolla is getting it in some way or another. I think it's in either in a hybrid form. Like an e-all-wheel drive system? I think so. And then the Mazda has all-wheel drive, but it's a significant up, uh, up option. Like you really have to pay extra for a hatchback version. Of the of the Mazda three with all wheel drive, and also I want to point out that the I I think that you know in addition to paying more, I feel like the Mazda three is in another level when it comes to interior refinement and materials. I haven't even been in the new Impreza, but I feel confident saying that. And you can yeah. also get a two hundred fifty horsepower version of that car. Yes, and we're talking if we talk, want to talk specifically about hatchbacks, this is the only other alternative with, that's an, that's the only other compact hatch with all-wheel drive as far as I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and yes, I think the Mazda has better interior. It doesn't have as much space. I think that's one of the things that makes the the cross the Impreza actually a little bit more appealing. The back seat is usable, the trunk space is extremely uh, accommodating. And it has that all-wheel drive, all for a low price of like twenty-two thousand, um, almost uh, around twenty-three thousand, which I think is pretty good starting price. But like I said, um, it, it it doesn't have much else, and I feel kind of bad saying that because it's a totally reasonable vehicle. But if you want more ground clearance, if you want that, it, it just feels like all the heart of Subaru has gone into the Crosstrek. I don't know how else to describe it better yeah. than that. No, I think you're right. And and I think the other thing that kind of weirds me out about the Impreza these days is I feel like that 2.5 liter engine should be the base motor. And I yeah. feel like they should actually have an upgrade over that if they want to stay competitive with other companies that are in the same space. And I'm not even talking about like hatchbacks that have all-wheel drive. I'm talking about compact cars. Like yeah. it's, I, I can't really think of another, is there another company out there offering a compact car at that price point with less horsepower in the base model? Like what's, what is the base model horsepower in the Impreza? The base model has a sad 158, um, I think. Ooh. Let me double check. Uh, 152, even worse. 152, 145. I actually think the Civic isn't far off in the base slow version of it. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm taking a look now to see if um, see what pops up. And the Corolla might be, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm taking a look here at, it's just a list of the least powerful cars in 2021. Um, <laughs> One way to find it. So <laughs> the, the kicks, you have to go, so the Corolla offers 121 horsepower in the hybrid model. I think that's kind of a different market. So I'm going to cut mm-hmm. that one out. Everything else, so this, the Versa, has 122 horsepower, but again, but that's a that's a lower that's a smaller product. Exactly. So everything that Civic, is below that is 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 subcompact. Civic starts with a 158 horsepower naturally aspirated two liter, but you most of them get a most of them get a 1.5 liter turbo with 180 and a lot more torque. Yes, um, and I think the same can be said about um, about the Mazda. The Mazda three has. Um, the base engine is a one point. It's a two point five with one hundred and ninety one horsepower, and then you get that two fifty horsepower turbocharged two point five. Okay, yeah. So I, I just, you know, I understand that the reason why they're doing this is because of fuel mileage. Like honestly, well, yeah. When you have an when you have an all wheel drive car, you have to you have to. This is the way they're gonna keep emissions down I guess. well it's it's not just an all-wheel drive car it's also i believe related to i want to say the boxer engine and just you know it, mm-hmm. i don't know i feel like subaru has painted itself into a corner 
And Subaru has embraced a technology that I don't think most people like boxer engine design. I don't understand. I don't think customers understand the benefits of that. And I don't think they necessarily feel that even if it was explained to them, it would be something worth paying a penalty for um, in terms of any other area, like whether it's efficiency or whether it's performance. I feel like, well, I mean, boxer engines do have, they're, they're supposed to be able to be placed lower in the, in the lower in yeah. the and what engine. What does that bay? matter for a vehicle like the Impreza? Like, I don't think you could make a compelling case that the yeah. engine, the drive chain in the Impreza gives it any advantage in any way over a, a similarly priced rival. And then what's the other advantage is that I guess boxer engines should be a little bit more um, balanced. Uh, maybe, but also I think that with the, don't they have two head gaskets compared to one for an inline four yeah, and maintenance costs start to go up and it's just, I'm not, I, I like Subaru as a brand and I like what they have to offer, but I kind of feel like they painted themselves into a corner. Yeah. Uh, I think you're, you're onto something. I just, it's not that I don't recommend this vehicle. If you're on a budget and one of the high, one of the high, one of the things high on your list is all wheel drive and cargo space. This car's going to kill it. I mean, it really is. Um, affordable and spacious, and will will have traction in low in low traction situations. Other than that, though, you're gonna find the rest of the the experience pretty average. Um, it has all the features you think it should have. Wireless Android Auto is available, and wireless CarPlay it has um, a big old screen that uh, they still haven't figured out how to take advantage of in some situations. Like when you put when you throw the thing in reverse. The backup camera only takes up like half of the screen and the other half of the screen is blank, not useful in any way or form, yeah. which is annoying, right? And we used to talk about this when they had Android Auto only take up half the screen. Now it takes up, it's supposed to take up much more, but uh, I think you've driven a Supra recently that didn't have that update yet. So that's a pain in the butt. Um, I think fit and finish is, is better. It's not brilliant, but at least, you know, you don't have mismatched. You know, the the old Impreza, I think, used to have different um, finish on its door handles between the front and rear seats, which is always, to me, is like a sign of of attention to detail just wasn't there when they were building this car. So I think they've improved that bit. But, um, look, it, it, it's for a specific customer. Uh, who I is it for? Who are you recommending this for? Just a person who, who wants all-wheel drive on a budget. This is it. This is the, probably the cheapest all-wheel drive car you can get. Okay, so... Just to backtrack on what you just said, if you want all-wheel drive on a budget, there are a lot of crossovers and SUVs out there too, right? Yeah. I, do you think they're cheaper than $23,000? I don't know. I don't, I know. don't think so. I mean, maybe if you want... But, I, but truly, you'll go, you can go... If you're on a budget, your best choice is always to go used, right? Yeah. But I, I, guess, I guess, you know, if you want an all-wheel drive car, this is the one. <laughs> this is, this yeah, is the all-wheel drive compact. So yeah. maybe they figure they've sewn that up and... They're not interested in conquest, but I just feel like we're looking at a situation similar to what happened to Honda with the Civic, where okay. they predicted the path of the market wrong. And uh, this is like, what, 12 years ago now, when the, when they just after the recession, when they had or not the recession, but the, you know, the financial crisis. And they're like, oh, people are going to be buying cheaper cars. We better make a yeah. cheaper Civic. Yeah. And they came out with this cheaper Civic that was cheap for them to build, and the interior wasn't that nice, and the features weren't there. But every all other... while the all while the Korean automakers in particular loaded cheap cars with a bajillion features. Yeah, and not even Korean though, but like everyone, even like yeah. the Chevy Cruze was like a way nicer car. And very true. I, and they they had to do a dramatic redesign. And it almost feels like with the Impreza, I don't know, they're just like you know, 
all along these people have been buying our cars and we can count on them to keep buying our cars. But everyone else has gotten so much more interesting with more options, more features and better fuel economy. And the Impreza is kind of, you know, staying status quo. And I don't know if that's going to work for them. I don't know if it needs to work for them because they sell so many Outbacks and Foresters and whatnot. And maybe that's all that really matters. And they're just kind of staying in this space because they feel like they should. Mm. But that's an important thing to bring up. I do think it's impressive that Subaru has kept their price relatively low while all these other vehicles, like we talked about the Honda Civic and we, I think we will later today as well, but the Civic I think has quite a high starting price and doesn't feature all wheel drive or isn't like as, as practical, I think. But in terms of content, do you think that there's, it's, oh yeah, it just feels like a more refined product, a more finished car. So it is interesting because the, the transaction price, the average transaction price, I think right now for a brand new car in the United States is like 45 grand. Okay. And you have to figure that that's gone up $10,000 since, I guess, the early 20-teens. That's yeah. a huge climb. And I think a lot of that is being driven by the fact that price, you know, MSRPs are just rising across the board. Even smaller cars are much more expensive now because there's so many features. And a lot of that is tech stuff. A lot of that is um, advanced safety gear. But people are being asked to pay more and more even for what would have once been considered an affordable car. So I guess kudos to Subaru for resisting that, even though they are including a lot of that tech stuff and a lot of that safety stuff. Um, it's there, but they're not making you pay a huge price for it. Yeah, um, that's my that's my overall impression of the vehicle. It's fine. It's good enough, uh, and it'll 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 fit the people who are who are worried about a budget more than anything else. This is a utilitarian kind of car. Um, not to, not don't expect it to be loaded with the. It has all the features you'll want. I mean, it has heated heated seats and uh, like I said, Android Auto and all that jazz. But that's it, right? Like. Nothing special, nothing that'll make somebody's like sort of like head turn or eyes pop when they get in it. Um, it'll get the job done. But I just keep thinking, you know, you. I think the new Crosstrek looks great. Um, I think they put a lot more attention into the details of that vehicle. Um, and I think that's where they want people to end up buying their vehicles. So I'm going to, the vehicle I want to talk about is mm-hmm. something that is supposed to be special but is kind of coming from a less special starting point. And it's a bit of a balancing act. Um, okay. It's the Acura Integra uh, with the six-speed six manual transmission. And I, Sammy, you've driven this car before, right? Actually, I had it during the, the same week you had it. I had the A-Spec with technology, the 6MT, and I immediately drove it back-to-back with a Civic hatch um, sports touring with the CVT, unfortunately, but and the smaller wanted, and the less powerful motor. Yes, I wanted to kind of talk, be able to talk to you about the integra, talk to you about the integra, and then talk about where the integra is kind of that humble beginning. I think you're talking about, yeah, um, in the Civic because the two cars have a lot in common. Um, the chassis is the same. I actually think the interior looks almost identical if you took out. The mine had red seats. The my Acura had red seats, really, really sporty looking. I think it had fake Alcantara seats, um, and the Civic just had leather seats, and it looked the same, honestly, so, the same. So the the Integra is essentially a Civic Si. That is what right. it is. Um, a Civic hatchback Si. A Civic, yeah, yeah they a, don't a hatchback make. version. No, you you can only get a sedan version of the Civic. Um, but the, the Integra is a hatch and everything else mechanically is identical to what you would find in the SI with one difference. Um, the, the, if you get the manual transmission, so I'm only going to talk about the manual. You can get the base model starts at about, I guess, 30,000, 31,000. And that comes with an automatic, 
Um, and it doesn't have some of the features that the manual transmission does. But when you get the manual transmission, you get the same uh, helical limited slip differential in the front that you get in the SI. You get essentially the same transmission and you get another feature. It's an adaptive set of shock absorbers. The reason you're getting all that stuff is because in order to get the manual, you have to buy two different packages. There's the technology package that Sammy mentioned and the A-Spec, which is actually a package. It sounds like a trim level, but those two things together are required for you to get the manual transmission. And then Acura has kind of the temerity to say, but the six-speed is a no-cost option. (laughs) So like when you have those two packages, you don't have to pay more to get the six-speed, but you can't get the six-speed without paying $5,000 for those packages. Right. The Um, other thing too is that price differential is about seven grand more than what you would pay for a Civic Si. I'm... I'm interested to talk about this because I don't know if you remember this, but the new Civic Si actually had some features, as far as I recall, taken away from it um, and are now found on the Acura. And that's That's a smart smart move for Acura. I mean, they have to have that differentiation. I also wanted to talk about the fact that this has 200 horsepower and we were just making fun of the Impreza for having 182. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So that's only 18 horsepower difference, but it does have 192 pound-feet of torque from one and a half liter turbo engine. And that is- And a manual transmission that you can row it all through, right? Yeah, like so that feels pretty, that's a pretty good transmission. So that's like 20 more pound-feet or, or in the neighborhood of 20 more pound-feet, but also it's a lot easier to modify if you wanted to get more power out of it. That's True. not going to be a problem. So I feel like it's, can, even though on paper, you might look at these two cars and be like, well, you know, Benjamin's not impressed with the Impreza, but somehow the, the Acura gets a pass. In the real world, the actual personality of these cars is going to be very different to drive. I'm still, I'm still need, I still need, um, I still need some assurance here. I think I need someone to acknowledge that I, I liked um, some the overall package of the last generation Civic Si and I'm not sure that the new one is as impressive. And then there's this Acura in the middle of all all these things that's muddy, muddying things up. So I just want to I just want to repeat myself. The 2019 Civic Si had 205 horsepower and adjustable suspension. The 2024 model, as far as I understand, has 200 horsepower, so less power, and doesn't have that adjustable suspension. Yeah. So what happened between those three years where they decided? Forget about it. Well, right? what happened is the Integra. And, <laughs> I think that's what we're saying, right? That's, the, that's what I want to be clear here. The other thing that's interesting about the Integra and that kind of relates to what you're talking about is it's replacing a car called the ILX, which is right. you could be forgiven for, for forgetting the ILX ever existed. Everyone forgot about the ILX. The ILX came out in, I think, 2012. Um, and it was based on that generation of Civic. And yeah, the 2.4 liter, if I remember correctly. Wait, so not right away. It eventually got the 2.4 liter, but here's the thing. When the Civic evolved, the Civic Si evolved and got the 1.5 turbo um, Hmm. later on in life, the The, the ILX didn't, They didn't. It stayed with the 2.4 indefinitely. So you basically had a car that was an older platform. The platform never changed. The drivetrain was only upgraded once and then left, you know, kind of to rot on the vine. And as a result, a lot of people forgot about it. it. I don't think it had a manual transmission from what I remember. It did. It did with that 2.4. It did? Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it was not the same level of 
it wasn't the same personality as the SI of its era in terms of handling. It was much more of a uh, comfort-focused vehicle, and it was very bland to look at. I didn't dislike the ILX, but there was not really a compelling re- version to buy it once it was five or six years old. Like once and it I, the- I feel like it got really overshadowed by the introduction of the entr- the new entry-level like Germans. Yeah, like the A3, the CLA, and the 2 Series. The 2 Series. I mean, they kind of all ate its lunch. The only yeah. saving grace was if you look over at the Lexus lineup, they had nothing to match it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's it was just, true. You know, and, and even Buick, I think, didn't have anything to match once they got the, – they had the Regal. And the, was there anything smaller than the Regal? Verano. Wasn't it Verano, Verano, yeah. So the Verano was an even <laughs> softer ride than the yeah. ILX. Um, that's right. But Verano wasn't a bad car, but it was a car that I don't know if it had a market in North America. Right. Um, in any case – the new Integra fixes a lot of those problems. You know, it has a new platform, it has a new and competitive drivetrain, and it has a fantastic manual transmission. The thing I like the most about this car was the gearbox, Sammy. It was yep. so smooth. And so I'm currently driving a Corolla GR. Okay. And I got out of the Integra. And Why aren't we talking about this GR? Because we're going to be talking about it next week when I've had okay. more time to put miles on it. And... But getting out of, I'm mentioning it because getting out of the Integra and getting into the Toyota and shifting that gearbox was like night and day. It was like I went from a sports car to a truck. It's just, wow. There's there's a lot about the GR that I think is like that and not necessarily in a bad way. But I, I want to underscore how good this transmission is. To me, it's the best part of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think really, Honda makes excellent manuals. I don't think I've ever been disappointed in a Honda manual recently. And um, it's, and it's, it's important to... to point that out because we're so starved for manual transmissions now that we'll take anything, right? Like, yeah, you said this in the past. I think you said a BMW manuals could be a bit better. Well, I mean, they're a bit, they're a little bit rubbery and you know, yeah. the, the super that I drove recently and the Z they're, they're fine, but it's like, they, they don't really stand up to, I think the Mazda, the, the Miata has a really great manual. And I think that this car is now another vehicle that I'm very impressed with. Oh, there's a, such a difference between those two manuals though, right? Like the Integra manual to me was a super smooth, like satisfying, um, like sliding motion. But when you drive an MX-5, it's, it's really like deliberate, every shift feels really deliberate and has its own satisfying, but yeah. they're, they're totally different actions. Like more much. of a, more of like a mechanical notchiness kind yes. of thing. So, uh, the the thing that's cool too about the Integra's manual is even at low speeds it feels good. Like this is a car yeah. that's very easy to drive smoothly, and I really appreciate that. Um, it's not a quick car. Like it's zero to sixty in like seven and a half seconds. That's not fast. Uh, no, it's fine. It seems as slow as my FRS. And and the oh okay so so your FRS is slow now. Everyone says it's slow, but it's fun to drive, right? That's right. So I would submit that the Integra is not necessarily a, like a smile machine that you're going to be like, wow, this is great. But I and, and part of that is the fact that uh, compared to the SI, which gets sporty tires, this gets like all seasons. I don't think you can get summer tires on it from the factory. But the handling is good enough and the gearbox is good and the power band from that one and a half liter turbo is good that you're going to enjoy driving it. You, you, I never felt like it was a chore. I was shocked by how much... Um, how well I was able to relate to the car. I found it engaging and uh, I wasn't expecting that. I was I was thinking, okay, this is kind of going to be a gussied up Honda uh, because so many of the small luxury cars that we drive are not really luxury cars anymore. They're just yeah. badges that you're buying. And the Integra, I mean, like you said, the interior is not fantastic. It doesn't really stand out above the Honda. There's a couple areas where the materials are nicer, but I don't know how much that matters. I think it, the price differential is not huge, 
But the price differential between the Integra and like the next step up, if you were to buy like an A3 or a two series or something, it's like another 10 grand, you know? So yeah. I, I, I just feel bad. I, to me, I feel like this Integra has gotten better than the ILX at a cost to the Civic SI. I just think that they could have made a Civic SI hatch instead of the slightly neutered sport touring that we got that has uh, 180 horsepower instead but, of 200. But they have to protect the Type R. That's where you're getting your hatch now. Yeah. And, and I don't know. It just seems so manufactured. Like It's, it's totally just, manufactured. It's, I know it's, it's manufactured. artificial. It has to be. Yes. But it just seems like we're we're you're you're hurting one brand that's built a lot of loyalty and I think um and recognition for this other one, this Integra that disappeared for a long time and is back with this big sort of hype that I'm not sure is like called for. Yeah, but it calls it costs seven thousand dollars more, Sammy. So you're gonna hurt the the cheaper car all day long to get that sweet, yeah. sweet profit. I mean, if yeah. Billy has to stay home and work on the farm so smart Johnny can go to college, that's what's gonna happen. Okay. Um, the other thing I wanna <laughs> <laughs> Okay. The other thing I wanna point out about the Integra is there's another model called the Type S, which oh, is good. essentially a type R with badged as an Integra and um, it has 320 horsepower and 310 pound feet of, feet of torque. Sammy and I were talking about this before the podcast. It costs $15,000 more. It's like a $51,000 car. That's very expensive. It's much more expensive than the A-Spec that I drove. And it's much more expensive than even the Type R. So Integra is currently a big profit zone for Acura. I hope it does well for them. Um, I do want to say that there are no other small luxury cars, and I put luxury in quotes because it's Acura, that have a manual transmission. The only thing that comes close is, as we talked about just now, the Mazda 3, which is a, yep. a, a stealth luxury car. You can get a manual with like 184 horsepower, I guess, and 250 horsepower if you wanted to kind of outmuscle the Integra. And and if you don't mind the fact that it's a Mazda and your your, your friends at work aren't going to know that that's you know, in any way as nice inside as an Acura, which they've been trained to recognize as a premium vehicle, then that might be a better area for you to go in. Uh, but I like the Integra. I like how practical it is. It's comfortable enough. It's smooth and, and, and good to drive. And it's not super, super, super expensive. I think that's one great perspective to have on the Integra. To me, I'm I'm not as warm on it as you are. And I'm really concerned about this Type S being seven thousand dollars more 15, than what it. Uh, sorry, hold on. Seven thousand dollars more than a Type R. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is already supposed to, which is already like supposed to be like the highest end that Honda makes. Um, and you know, again, we mentioned the similarities between these vehicles are are, are very close. I, I I'm gonna if I'm honest, I don't really like small compact luxury cars to begin with because they're entirely mm. branding exercises for the yeah. most part. And there's a lot of that going on here, but the vehicle is still good. And I don't think it's a branding exercise with as much of a price tag as the Europeans that it's up against. Okay, so that's fair. That mitigates it a little bit, you know? A little bit. And like, what else are you going to get for like, in terms of hatches with the manual transmission, hot hatches, the next one. I want a GTI. I want a GTI with a better infotainment system. Okay. But there's also, you know, there's Golf R, there's Corolla GR, there's Type R. That, that's yeah. the next step up. And they're all a lot more expensive. Except for the Corolla. A little bit. The Corolla, sorry, GR, the Corolla GR is not a lot more expensive. It's actually the price is identical, but <laughs> the experience is extremely different. It's a hardcore. Some of these things went hardcore. Yeah. Um, rather than not plush, but 
more refined, I guess, the way you describe the Acura? Yeah, somewhat more. Okay, interesting. Edging. It's edging on ref- the edge of refinement. <laughs> I see. Okay. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to talk about this week? No, I, I think that wraps it up for me. I, I, it's been a kind of a slow news week in the, the automotive world. Um, I did see something, though, that uh, <laughs> we were talking about VinFast. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about this? Earlier today. So... I love how much this company gets play, man. I love how much this, this company gets at headlines. So VinFast is not doing so well with its North American launch of its vehicles. Some might argue they weren't ready for that. <laughs> um, and, and you might also argue that they've recognized that because they're now willing to pay their customers I think, what, $100 for every problem that crops up during the ownership period while they're under like warranty? Like at least 100 I think you can get up to 300 Yeah, depending on how many hours it's like in the bay uh, being repaired and how, how um, inconvenienced you are. Yeah. So they're trying. I mean, it's too bad they couldn't have spent that money before they launched the cars. <laughs> I feel like that would have been a better use of of whatever thousands of dollars they're going to be spending now. It's like a reverse incentive. It's like That's right. we'll pay you to keep owning our car. <laughs> That's wild. And you know what, though? Like, I think I kind of get it because I think one of the hardest things to uh, manage with a new car company, um, especially one that isn't, say, like, sexy like tesla or some of the cohorts that have come up after tesla like Isn't rivian or sexy like tesla the name of your band <laughs> yes um like rivian or lucid i was thinking it was going to be sexy like lucid but it didn't yeah. work out so well somebody oh. else got that band yep you gotta um, go fast <laughs> the the i think the issue here is that a lot of people see vinfast they don't recognize the name they don't recognize anybody behind it they hear that it's vietnamese they want reassurance that this car company will not be a dud so they have these really massive i think they have a a 100 and uh they have a really massive warranty i gotta make sure i got this this number right because i think it's like 200,000 kilometers. How much is that in miles these days? Oof, I don't know. 120,000? Yeah. Yeah. And like an unlimited like year warranty as well. So that's one way I can imagine the trying to um, the relieve is- people's attention. But these are electric vehicles anyways, right? Like, yeah, but the thing about a, an unlimited year, uh, like a no-limit yeah. warranty, is the company has to be in business like 10 exactly. years from now for that to still be useful, right? Exactly. And when you're looking at a startup company, that's never guaranteed. That's right. Um, Just I ask all those Lordstown Motor guys. <laughs> or the Coda EV guys. Yeah. I don't even know if the Coda had a warranty. Just does... <laughs> you can't. You couldn't drive it far away was, enough. What's the Karma again? Karma, did that... How long did that one last? Oh, I, I still see Fisker Karmas, so I don't know. But they're not new. And I see that other one, the V8 one. What's it called? The Rivero? Yeah. The that, one that has the exhaust that exits like just in front of the driver's window? Yeah. Yeah, that's That's great. a great way to enjoy your car. Nothing says traffic like choking to death in a Rivero. <laughs> that's luxury. That luxury, luxury means not needing oxygen, Sammy. Luxury is uh, is hallucination. It's sure it means friendship. <laughs> Um, okay, so that's this week's episode. I can't wait to talk to you next week. We're going to be uh, talking about some uh, performance cards, as Ben mentioned. I think a Corolla GR is on the, GR. Is on, the card, on the cards, and I think I'll be ready to talk about this Lamborghini Huracan I that I drove. Ne- I will never sing again on the podcast. That's a promise. You should keep singing. No, um, I'm, I'm also this. I'm also doing some travel next week, so oh, we'll surprise, talk surprise. about we'll talk about some other cool cars that I'm driving uh, shortly after as well. So there's a lot of cool looking cars. Um, on the agenda, so 
be sure you subscribe to our podcast. And the easiest way to do that is you go to our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, um, and there's a bunch of little buttons on the top of the screen that you can click on that uh, that subscribe to to our podcast. Or you can just search for the Unnamed Automotive Podcast in your podcatcher, and you'll find us. Hit and subscribe. You'll get all of our latest stuff. And if you choose not to subscribe uh, for whatever reason, and I respect that, if you want to comment or like us or just share us with your friends, that's a really big help too. Um, if you want to tell us why you don't want to subscribe or or ask us any kind of question at all about anything car-related or not car-related, as long as it's not about Sammy's past, you can do that in a number of ways. The easiest way is on social media. Sammy is on the cesspool. It is Twitter. He is at Sammy underscore hot, like you're laughing. You can find me on the friendlier Instagram. I'm at Hunting Benjamin. Or you can email me the old-fashioned way benjamin at benjaminhunting.com or go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com fill out the, the contact form and click submit and bam right in our inbox and also one last thing deadaircomic.com if you like comics if you like the 90s if you like music if you like sci-fi if you like talking to the dead maybe you're right now having a seance in your in your room maybe we have an entirely goth audience that i'm not aware of Anyway, deadaircomic.com, I think you will like it. Uh, just get to it before Wednesday because after that, it's off Kickstarter. Okay. Can't wait to talk to you next week, Ben. All right. Uh, and whatever you're doing, if you are in front of a mirror right now and you are doing a se- seance, do not say Candyman three times. Okay. Good, good tip. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>